Welcome to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me, your host, Father Craig Guerra. And me, Father David Pelican. As we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com. So welcome, everybody, to another edition of Men of the Hearts podcast. We have on a very uh, special guest, probably the happiest man I've ever met in my whole life. I've never seen him not smiling. Uh, We have on uh, Bishop Glenn, so welcome. Thank you, Father Craig. It's great being with you. And also, Father David. Yes. Thank you. It's great being with you today. Likewise, Bishop. Good to have you here. Yeah, good to have you. How you doing, Father David? I'm doing well. Doing well, yes. And, and yourself? Usually I'm so-so, but I feel pretty good today. Yeah, that's good. That's good to hear. <laughs> it's yeah, a dark day, and I love dark days, so it just <laughs> makes me feel all happy you, inside. You probably are the more, uh, more carmudgeon of the two of us, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I, I would say so, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bishop Quinn, before we get into your uh, vocation story, it'd be great to just let us know what's going on or like a blessing that's been going on in your life. Well, a very recent blessing is, you know, I live at Clergy Village Mm. with uh, 20 other retired priests. So it's a great blessing to be with uh, brother priests, especially at this time in my life as now I've completed my service as uh, the bishop of the Diocese of Winona, Rochester, and now can come home and do the things that I love doing most Uh, which is, of course, the sacramental life of the church, the opportunity to do some spiritual direction with people, Mm. and to know that the um, bishop who followed me, Bishop Barron, is carrying out all those wonderful administrative decision-making governance issues and doing a great job. So the blessing of being home, being here in Motown, but also to be living with other brother priests and then the opportunity to celebrate the sacraments. Uh, Just very recently, I got a call from the Angela Hospice, and Mm -hmm. they asked if I would come and uh, be with a family uh, Mm -hmm. whose uh, family member was in the final final hours, you know, before they uh, go home to the Lord, and to be with the family and to, of course, anoint and give the apostolic blessing Mm. to the person, but also to be with the family. It's a very privileged moment. Mm -hmm. It's a very intimate moment with family as they are uh, saying goodbye to someone whom they love deeply as a wife, as a mother, you know, as a sister, you know, all of the ways in which we are related. And so to be with them uh, was for me a great joy, and again, it always brings me back to the reason I was ordained. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's mm-hmm. been many things the church has allowed me to do and been very privileged to do them, but it's those moments that you really come back to why the bishop laid hands on me as a priest and sent me forth on mission. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Father David and I talk about that all the time. I think we feel most like a priest when, of course, celebrating Mass, but hearing confessions, especially anointing of the sick, I mean, like you said, it is an intimate moment. You're, you're with people at some very um, uh, beautiful times and some trying times, and to be invited into that is, is an amazing thing. What's it like being at Clergy Village? I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know, to live with a, a number of priests like that, it's got to be kind of fun and, and interesting at the same time. Well, it's all of that and more uh, because uh, 
being the age that I am, I would have known all those priests, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. some as uh, brother priests over the years who we went in seminary with. Mm -hmm. Others I came to know because of uh, various uh, roles that I had here in the diocese. And then as an auxiliary bishop, of course, I would have come to know all the priests. Yeah. And so it's been really um, a great moment to be back with them. Uh, they, of course, as you know, have a lot of fun having a bishop there because uh, <laughs> sure. everyone oh, sure. uh, likes to be able to bait me on things <laughs> as a bishop, uh, as seminarians would too, you know, for they sure. yeah. enjoy that. And of course, uh, I'm up for the task. <laughs> and, uh, and so there's uh, opportunities uh, really for prayer for Eucharist, for adoration, mm -hmm. um, and for fraternity. Uh, we have uh, a meal every night uh, together, mm -hmm. and uh, during the day there's opportunities we interact to the degree that we're around. Uh, then, Because these priests, unless there's some um, real physical problem, uh, they're out helping in parishes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't really retire as priests we perhaps get to retire from the administration, mm -hmm. yeah. but not mm -hmm. from priestly life and priestly formation to keep that heart of Christ mm -hmm. in our lives so we can care for others with the same love Christ cares for each one of us. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think I've ever talked to a priest and, and, and any of them said, I came into the priesthood to, you know, do the administrative work and to make sure the garbage was taken care of at the parish. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are some people that are actually really good at that, that they're great leaders and they know what they're doing. But I think we all long to celebrate the sacraments without having necessarily the responsibility of making sure the buildings don't crumble around us and all that other good stuff that we have to do as administrators. Amen. <laughs> no, it's really true. I think our, our lives are so focused in the mystery of the Eucharist yes, and in which we encounter the Lord and then encounter one another with the Lord at the center and then feeding us with his own body and blood so that we in turn can go out on mission yeah. This is kind of like yesterday's gospel about Emmaus. Yeah. Yep. Uh, they had all the events. They were talking about the events of salvation, but they didn't really understand them until the breaking of the bread. Mm -hmm. And then their hearts burned. And then they realized who it was who had been walking with them all the time. Uh, I think the, what I took yesterday particularly as a grace uh, of the Lord in uh, the homily and praying about the scripture yesterday was the Lord has always been walking with me and with the whole church, mm. always. There's never been a time when he isn't. And even through difficult experiences and maybe times in the church, where we're a bit like those two disciples mm -hmm. uh, who are talking about everything except the Lord is with us mm -hmm. in our midst. And I have to, it's a critique of my own faith where the Lord breaks it open again and says, look, I've always and will always be with you. Yeah, that's all yeah. of us. Amen. They, they, one commentator was talking about how only one was named Cleo, Cleopas, right? 
where the other one were supposed to be the other disciple. But we huh. we have to recognize yeah. Jesus every single day. That's a nice insight, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, bishop Barron, who replaced me, you know, as bishop there and is doing a superb job. You know, his insight uh, was uh, going in the wrong direction, yeah. walking away from Jerusalem rather than than going to where we encounter the Lord. So after the breaking of the bread, then they go back to Jerusalem. So if ever you've gotten in the wrong direction and you don't really want to get the right directions, which guys tend to do anyway, uh, we hate to stop or to use the GPS. Uh, (laughs) And then in our faith life, what all the more, we have to, we need each other to get to the right place to encounter the Lord. Yeah, Amen. yeah. And if Amen. I get my directions correctly, they were walking to Emmaus, which was towards the setting sun. That's where the sun was glaring in their eyes, saying they couldn't maybe mm-hmm. recognize Jesus, or they needed to walk back to Jerusalem towards the rising sun. Towards the new Jesus. hope. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. How are you doing, for Father David? I'm doing well. Yeah. yeah. Any I, uh, blessings for you as you get ready to uh, go get all A's over in oh Rome? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, um, you know, I did have a big uh, big blessing. It was um, it, Saturday before last, I was able to attend the diaconal ordinations here. I think I mm-hmm. saw both of you there. Is that right? Uh, for the, the transitional diaconate? Or uh, at least I, I was there. Craig was there. Um, but for me, like, that was... It was a beautiful moment because I think um, a lot of times we think about priestly ordination and getting uh, to priestly ordination um, as like I've, kind of the I've made it moment. But I guess for me, as I was, I was getting towards diaconate, it became like a realization of like, oh, this is kind of really when uh, you lay down your life for the Lord, right? It's, it's when you make the promises. It's when you first time like lay down on the marble. And, and so watching these, these young men who, who I've known, you know, uh, kind of go through that it was a great grace to be with them, to pray with them, but also to kind of remember because, uh, you know, it's the same chapel where I got ordained a deacon. And just to kind of go back to, to that call, everything that I was kind of experiencing, praying with, and going through at my own diaconal ordination. And, uh, yeah, so, so that, was just, that was just a great grace for me, kind of that call back to, you know, the nervousness going in. But then somehow also just a confidence that, like, this is what Jesus is calling me to, and he's going to give me everything I need, you know. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was a, a grace to, to witness and pray with uh, those brothers as they got ordained deacons. Yeah. I think also it's a challenge, Father David, for uh, us as we become uh, ordained to the priesthood to keep that diaconal ministry. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's gone now <laughs> that we have become priests. And it's a great challenge when you're ordained a bishop. Uh, you, of course, are always uh, a priest. And you're still always receiving the grace of diaconate mm. mm-hmm. and how to remain in that, what that servant mode yes. Yes. of not seeking the first place for ourselves or feeling we have to take the credit or to be someone that helps set up the chairs, even though perhaps yeah. that's something right. we did as deacons or seminarians and now yeah, yeah, yeah. we're priests and bishops. Uh, that's still part of our role and uh, to making ourselves available Amen. to people at times that uh, we'd rather just put our feet up uh, 
it's a challenge uh, to <laughs> continue that yeah. diaconal grace yeah. I have found in my life. Now, Amen. is there, during ordinations, because I've seen some bishops wear a dalmatic underneath their chasuble, is that something that's a part of the rite, or is that their own kind of... Uh, thing that they've done to remind themselves of their diaconate? I think it's more a tradition that uh, it reminds the ordaining bishop that with the fullness of orders that he has, because only bishops can ordain, mm -hmm. oh. that he wears the dalmatic because he also carries with that the fullness of orders as a deacon, as a priest with the chasuble, mm -hmm. of course, and then with the, uh, the miter and the staff and pectoral cross, that we have the fullness of orders, but never that we have lost the diaconal mm -hmm. or the priestly ministry. We're not administrators yeah. that govern 20 counties or whatever it is that has been entrusted to us. That's a great privilege anyway, mm -hmm. but it's always that shepherd, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Pope Francis says, smell like the sheep. Yeah. In other words, you've got to know them, mm -hmm. and you've got to be in, involved in their lives. And diaconal ministry and seeing ordination yeah. of deacons brings it back, I think, mm -hmm. for all of us. Yeah. I remember the moment I gave myself to the Lord. Um, it took a long time. Uh, like in the gospel, how foolish <laughs> you are. It took so, so slow of heart. I remember on my retreat for, you know, canonical retreat for a diaconate, I was at the retreat place. It had a lot of grounds, and I was sitting in front of the lake, and I'm like, Lord, I, I really think this is what you're calling me to. I don't see any other path moving forward, so I'm giving it all to you, and if something is supposed to happen where I'm not supposed to be ordained will just make it happen <laughs> or strike me dead or do something <laughs> mm. that it doesn't happen if you don't want me and, and I'm here today so I think the Lord wanted me yeah. I'm not always Absolutely. faithful all the time of course we all sure. have our own uh, things that we have to deal with the Lord and grow closer to him but um, I, I remember that day where I, I never looked back from that day on you know? I, I think for me the, the one of the many and ongoing graces uh, about that, Father Craig, is that my uh, ego is not my amigo. Yeah. <laughs> and right. I better be ready to have it pierced. Yeah. It's kind of like that uh, balloon that got shot out of the sky, you know. And, <laughs> uh, uh, when Was I get, it a balloon? <laughs> <laughs> I get puffed up, you know. And sure. you begin to believe some of the things that people say about you that are mm -hmm. complimentary and all. And uh, uh, the grace of God's love for us is not about who we think we are. Mm -hmm. It's who we really are, the real self that has been redeemed yeah. and loved with all of our imperfections and sins. Yeah. But to go to God with that is very humbling. I'd rather go to God with my achievements <laughs> or what I think are my, and the yeah. Lord doesn't want to hear it. Yeah, yeah. Because that's that's, that's the ego, mm. you know. Yeah. That's me trying to um, either convince myself I'm better than what I really am, or again to play into that so others will give me the affirmation that I'm perhaps looking for, rather than the love that Christ enters with the power of the cross and 
resurrection. That's why it's a lifetime conversion. You'd think I'd at this stage be further along. I just always figure I'm getting started. Be patient, (laughs) Lord. Please be patient. Well, I have to imagine that it'd be pretty hard as a bishop because a lot of people wouldn't want to oppose what you want to do or you have an idea and everybody's like, of course he has that idea, let's do it. When, you know, you have to have people that, you know, can check you, you know, so... Well, some like to do it more than others. <laughs> there sure. are those that examine sure. not just their own conscience, but mine too. Yeah, yeah. It's but, but it is, uh, honestly, it really is a, a, a challenge so that you do hear those voices mm-hmm. and not get defensive mm-hmm. or to push them away. Those can be voices that are really helping us to grow in our love for Jesus Christ. Yeah. Amen. You know, like Amen. every once in a while when someone will say to you, you're working too much, mm-hmm. you know. No one's saying that to me. Uh, oh, <laughs> they, they will. <laughs> and what it might mean is you're not attending to the personal or to mm. yourself. Yeah, right. You're wearing yourself out, but you're not doing this with love and charity. And sometimes we have to listen to that. And that's why we all need a spiritual director. Because we need someone who can be the mirror in our life and reflect back uh, who we really are. Are we ego-driven? Have we put ourselves at the center? Or is Christ really dwelling there? And am I seeking him even amidst uh, the darkness and moments of sin or temptation or even moments of great grace where you know you really realize what God has done through your freedom where you have received from God but also that can sometimes carry us away thinking we did it yeah sure sure sure, sure. we didn't do anything I mean Saint, no. Saint Augustine was the great what father of grace that's mm. right everything is all grace. his gifts all his grace all that's right that's beautiful yeah. oh. Mm-hmm. That's uh, yeah. Thank you, Bishop. It's beautiful, uh, Father Father Craig. How have you been lately? I've been, been doing any, good. Any graces in the past? You know, I I just found out sure? today that I I applied to a spiritual director program. Um, so uh, just being able to do that a little bit. Um, I used to do that as a pastor, be a spiritual director to a number mm-hmm. of different people, and I found it really rewarding. And and people would often ask me now. Um, to be a spiritual director, and I really can't as the vocation director, but um, I, I can see some of the, the correlation between guys discerning and helping them by being a spiritual director. Oh, so yeah. I'm look, really looking forward to the classes and, and figuring out, like, you know, what are some uh, good tools that I could be using uh, yeah. to really help people along. And, you know, it's, that's a gift that's going to last even after I'm done being a vocation director, that uh, having that spiritual direction under my belt uh, could be, you know, a really good thing for my ministry and I'm excited right. about it and I think that just shows that it's from the Lord if I didn't have any joy and I was hemming and hawing about it I'd, I'd, I'd probably not be excited right now but I, I am sure. excited about it so and you mentioned That's a couple great. times about spiritual direction and you're being able to do some of that as well and um, yeah just kind of perks my heart up a little bit to know that I get to do a little bit of that as well That's awesome. oh it's a great grace great. I've always said you know um, as a spiritual director, I learned much more than any of my directees ever did from me. Mm. 
And then in being in spiritual direction, uh, your spiritual director really is such a guide in keeping you in from being excessive to either side, or especially when we start wanting to beat up on ourselves. And I've been always so grateful. Now, there were always two rules that uh, I had with whoever was my spiritual director. And then I observed them as a director. One was that um, I would always pray for my spiritual director and he would pray for me every day. Mm, That was uh, part of, I would say, our spiritual agreement. And the second thing was we never socialized. (laughs) Mm. We didn't golf. We didn't go to dinner. We never went to movies. Yeah. Uh, It was a very clear role that we had. Yeah. Yeah. Now, sometimes uh, here, and when I had a spiritual director here in Detroit, we'd see each other at diocesan meetings. So we always greeted each other. Yeah, Yeah, of course. Yeah. But that was it. Yeah. Uh, Other than interacting when we'd have a session together because we wanted to keep that relationship very clear and on mission. Mm. Yeah. So that we didn't say, well, let's go to dinner and then I'll tell you about it. Because you won't. Right, mm-hmm. right. No, that's, that's a very good point. You have dinner. Yeah. yeah. You know? You don't begin with prayer. You don't begin with the scriptures. You begin by saying, hey, do you want an appetizer? You yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It's a different dynamic in the relationship. Very different. So, yeah. And uh, many times uh, with my uh, spiritual director, at the end, I might ask for my director to hear my confession. So that we brought all of that to the grace of the sacrament of reconciliation. And there were times also where we even closed with a holy hour together. Depending upon the the amount of time that my director had uh, available for me. But it was clear with the focus of it. And uh, we always remained uh, probably deeper spiritual friends, maybe then those I even went to dinner with. Yeah. That's great. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, this is a good segue now to kind of move into uh, how you came to your vocation and and what were some of the events that led up to you saying yes to the Lord. So you can tell it however you want. Well, I would say that probably the, uh, my first formators were my parents. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was really blessed to grow up in a family where uh, I saw my father and mom pray and invite us into prayer, particularly with the rosary mm-hmm. and the family rosary. We always went to Mass every uh, Sunday. As we got older, I mean, we couldn't go anywhere until we had gone to Mass. <laughs> yeah. Exactly like in my house, too. Yeah, it was really very clear That's Beautiful. Uh, who was the center. Yeah. And then my dad would always be part of uh, parish work, um, whatever the pastor asked. My mom was in the altar society. They, they always were engaged yeah. in the mission, whatever the parish was doing at that time. I was very blessed to go to Catholic schools, and so I was surrounded by people who knew the Lord and uh, knew prayer, and so I was kind of immersed in this uh, 
really Catholic life. Yeah. And then my, uh, and as part of that, I think most guys will serve at some point. Oh, they sure. will get asked by their pastor uh, or by one of the associate priests, would you like to be a server? And so you get into that and you get to know the priests and you realize, uh, gosh, they're great guys. Uh, you never really seldom um, get a chance unless you serve to see them in a little different way. And then they mm -hmm. talk to you and you uh, call you by name and uh, are very solicitous. I'll ask you how school is going or, you know, what sports are you playing and things yeah. like that. But I remember at the parish where I grew up, we served right through high school. So that was a, a great uh, experience for me. And, uh, and then my pastor says to me, I think you have a vocation you should go to the seminary. And I thanked him. I said, oh, that's really nice. I yeah. said, I'm very honored. But I'm going to U of D. Uh, my plan at that stage of my life was I want to be a teacher, and I wanted to teach biology. Oh. I had had you know, some very uh, wonderful teachers, mm -hmm. and I felt that was what uh, I would spend my life doing. And uh, I had already put a down payment uh, at U of D. And uh, he said, well, I want you to think about it. He said, because I, I know you have a vocation. You don't see it. And he said, I'm going to call you in a week, so I want you to pray about it. Well, I thought, well, he's never going to call me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just this, you know, I yeah. help serve Mass on, you know, maybe every third Sunday. But he, well, he called. Wow. And and uh, said, I want to see you. And that's when he said to me, I, you really should go to the seminary. And I said to him, well, Father, I'm, I'm really honored, but I'm set at U of D, and I've put down like $500 and all that. He said, I'll get it back for you. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, I haven't had enough Latin. He said, yeah, you do. <laughs> had three years or something yeah. in high school. Yeah. And, and then he said to me, here's what I really want you to think about. He said, if this is not for you, he said, you'll know. Yeah. And he said, believe me, the faculty will help you to know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's he, two people discerning. Yeah, yeah. He said, but if this is for you, hmm. you'll know early on, and then you can... Put your whole heart into it. Mm -hmm. He said, you know how many people go many years and not sure what they want to do? He said, you'll know. And yeah. then you can go teach biology and um, be in education and everything. So I said, well, let me pray about it, you know. And, of course, then you think, oh, this is getting serious. Mm. And what am I going to tell my girlfriend, you know? Because yeah. uh, she's the last person in the world, I'm just going to say to her, I'm thinking about the priesthood. Yeah. Right. You, you just don't do that. I mean, <laughs> I was young and foolish. I wasn't crazy, you yeah, know, yeah. Yeah. especially when I'm picking her up to go someplace. You yeah, know? right. But um, that was a grace that broke into my heart. Hmm. So I, about a week later, he called again, because that was always my out. I would say, Lord, don't have him call me. <laughs> then I really know your will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, when you're 18, you're foolish about everything. Yeah. 
but he did call and so I that's amazing like yeah. the power of an invitation of someone that you respect and yeah. you know and he just didn't let up I think I talk to a lot of parents sometimes and, and, and just other people and they're like well I don't want to say anything because I don't want to push him in any one direction but you know sometimes we need a good push in the right direction and right. this priest obviously was right in your case well and also the Lord never uh, takes without giving back more Mm. Yeah. See, mm-hmm. and once I really honestly surrendered my uh, dream for God's plan, it was like St. Joseph. Um, now, all he got was, you know, an angel in a dream. Mm. But that revelation of God, as we know, angels mediate for us in the scriptures, the presence of God. That revelation was so deep within his heart. When he awoke, he did as the angel had commanded, meaning what God had asked. Mm-hmm. And he surrendered his dream for God's plan. Mm-hmm. He would have Mary as his wife, but not the wife that he planned to have children with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Instead, he had to surrender to that plan as a foster father of Jesus and to have a mystical marriage mm-hmm. that was even deeper and more loving, more giving than if it had been the beauty of a normal marriage. Yeah. Well, you know, over the years now that I've been ordained, what, uh, 51 years, I can look back and, you know, over the years I was a teacher here. Mm-hmm. I got, and I was here like 16 years, had the privilege to teach. I was uh, the director of education for the archdiocese. Didn't know that. Yeah, for about 16 years while I was teaching here. Um, And then after I was uh, assigned to the diocese of Winona, Rochester, I used to teach at 8 o'clock in the morning at St. Mary's University, the first period. Um, As the priest would say to me, you know, we love you a lot, Bishop, but not at 8 in the morning. <laughs> if you want to be in a classroom with undergrads, uh, knock yourself out. That's, that's <laughs> and so I did for uh, the 13 years that I was in Winona. Awesome. Wow. I would uh, teach in the morning. And I realized uh, that when you surrender to God, whatever you thought was what you were going to do or whatever was in your heart as your mission. If you give it to God, God will not destroy it. God will perfect it. Mm. God will make it even more of what you initially thought. But you have to trust that like like Mary and Joseph did. Mm-hmm. And what they got back was a 100,000 times more than what if they had simply followed that dream in their life. And I can testify uh, to that. Um, The Lord never took anything away. He asked me to surrender it, and I really had to. Mm -hmm. And you know, the tendency in life is to try and take it back, and you can't. That's why we lay down and we're prayed over the litany of the saints, because you have to come down on your face before God and give it all. Wow. You're going to put it all in. 
-hmm. If you don't put it all in and you try and hide some in your pocket, God will find it. He's um, a loving God, and he will make you empty your pockets. Hmm. Wasn't so it Simon in the Acts of the Apostles who yeah. tried to keep a little bit for he himself? Can. Yeah. <laughs> when we, if we, we in our own ways maybe try, but then, you know, the grace is the surrender. Yes. And then as you surrender and you say, it's all in, Lord. I will do what you um, have given as your plan to me. And God will fill you with blessings beyond. I think that's yeah. the biggest hurdle that a lot of guys have to go through when they're considering the priesthood is whether or not they're going to be happy in that if they do give up whatever plans they had, yeah. that they're not making a mistake. You know, like, mm -hmm. well, I'm in a relationship now. If I leave that relationship to go look at the priesthood, well, then maybe I lose that relationship that I have right now. Well, yeah, that, that could happen, but... It could turn out a different way, you know, and could be the, the biggest decision you ever made in your life to, to give that over to the Lord. And also uh, with relations, relationships, and being um, available for people. Uh, as priests, uh, we realize, and deacons and bishops, uh, our, our lives as ordained ministry, just how people welcome us in. We get to be part of their lives more than I could ever if I was married. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, the attention I would to give, and I should, to my wife or to my children, that's a beautiful gift. It's immensely good. Right? None of us would be here yeah. without parents that love that way. Yeah. So much so, that's why we see marriage as such a beautiful gift. We don't run from it at all. In fact, it's another, we give it to God freely mm -hmm. because God is asking a, a different way for us to love his people. And I have always found, like whether it was that anointing at the hospice or couples who are preparing for marriage, my goodness, the relationships. I, uh, this coming weekend, a couple I married 45 years ago tracked me down. And they said, we heard you're back in town. Yeah. They said, we've been praying for you every day. Wow. That's and, amazing. And we want to get together and have supper. We want you to come to our home. So the blessings, but you got to put it all in. Yeah. Yep. Amen. So let's go back all the way to that third phone call. What happened on that third phone call to the priest? Oh, I surrendered. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not a good surrenderer. Uh, <laughs> but I did. I knew it was the right decision. Yeah. And I knew that um, when I went to the seminary, I would really find out. So I came here, 2701 Chicago Boulevard, in 1963, mm -hmm. in the fall, to begin that journey. And I think I came. Um, in some ways thinking, well, this will be over with in a month. Hmm. And then it wasn't. <laughs> and the realization, this is what God wanted. Yeah. Like, you really wanted this, Lord. Like, this is your plan. And then as the years went on, to continue to say, I want your plan. Yeah. But there was a joy and a happiness as I did that. Uh -huh. 
and the assurance that you're walking with me. This is it. And through, as we all know, formation is not easy. And I realized, you know, that not only was my pastor correct, but I was most joyous when I was receiving that. And then to ordination. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Now, did you have any moments of crisis when you were in the seminary, the, the times when you fell off the wheel? Oh, sure. There'd be times when, uh, as the church was changing, this was in the, uh, those days right after Vatican II, and there was a lot of division over just the liturgy and how it should be celebrated. Mm-hmm. We still have some of that today, mm-hmm. but it was even more so then as people who all knew one style of liturgy now things are changed and it's in their own language and there's lay people reading the scriptures and distributing the eucharist Uh, many embraced it but many found that very very difficult Mm -hmm. i think also Mm -hmm. the way in which uh, decisions are made in parishes Um, before vatican ii uh, consultation was more uh, informal now there's parish councils, there's finance councils. Uh, Catholic schools were going through a change as uh, we, uh, as the actual costs of them were rising and then having lay people prepared for uh, their role also spiritually. So there was a lot of change going on and that was kind of confusing. Like, where are we going with this church? And what I learned, and I learned from the priests and lay people that taught me, but also um, as I got nearer diaconate, you got to trust the Lord. The Holy Spirit is at work in all of this. Hmm. And even if we're not doing it well, doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit is working through all of this. So it was a... Um, a challenge and at times you'd maybe say to yourself I don't think I can do this yeah. like how am I supposed to do this I mean uh, I'm a I'm not sure I understand all the liturgy of the church let alone the division yeah I don't know if I'm even going to preach very well yeah yeah mm. what if right. I'm a flop at preaching yeah uh, all these things the and I think it's the self-doubt and that's when the wheel, that's when we fall off the wheel. Yeah. And the grace, of course, is others help rescue yeah. us. And the Lord keeps forming us through uh, the many people who are part of that growth in our life. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Almost like you've, when you focus on yourself too much, then you fall off the wheel. But you gotta, yeah. someone's got to point you back into the face of Jesus to to know what's going on. Now, we don't necessarily have the right to even ask where are we going. We just need to be faithful sometimes. You have to. I think Mother Tree said it probably the best that, you know, the Lord does not ask success, but asks faithfulness Mm -hmm. of each of us. And, you know, I I think uh, also one of the uh, questions that I think we all ask on uh, the journey to priesthood Will I even be able to run a parish? Yeah, right. What if they don't like me? Yeah. <laughs> what if I'm a terrible administrator and I, and the roofs are leaking and people are really unhappy with it? Or 
I just don't have the ability to work well with groups. And maybe my personality isn't what draws people. Yeah. And, and that's where the ego, yeah. mm-hmm. see, it starts to grow and grow. Mm-hmm. And it's got to get punctured yeah. because God will do it through us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you got to come back to that. All That's grace. And when I get too concerned about how I'm going to do something, just, you know, listen to your I statements. Mm-hmm. I had a spiritual director who um, I always pray for because he was so, I want to say, instrumental in my life. There were two things that he did that really punctured my ego. When I went to see him, his first uh, question to me was not, how are you, John, or uh, it's a beautiful day or whatever. He says to me, are you ready to say goodbye to your youth? (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, well, what kind of a question is that? (laughs) And uh, he said to me, you're 40. He said, you're not young anymore. I said, Mm -hmm. well, I think I am. He says, you're not. He said, you're not going to medical school. He said, you're not going to go ahead and be an architect. He said, I don't know how else to tell it to you, John, but you're in the second semester of life. Wow. And then he said to me, are you ready to affirm and give thanks for what God has done in your life in the first semester? And are you ready now with what you've learned in the first semester to really give it all to God? Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's beautiful. Oh, I know. It's tough. But in our oh, culture, it's, it's the exact opposite, right? And I said to him, can't you just say to me, I'm doing a great job? <laughs> <laughs> can't you just say, aren't you a wonderful priest? You know? yeah. Yeah. And then the, the second one was uh, when I came to see him. He said to me, now next time, bring your checkbook. And I thought... Well, he, he wants to get paid for this. But dutifully, I mean, I, I brought him the checkbook, and he said, I'd like to see it. And I said, you want to look at my checkbook? And he said, yeah, I do. So he starts going through it, and he said, um, don't see many entries for Vincent DePaul. Don't see many entries for the poor here, unless it's J.C. Penney, one of your parishioners, and you're paying the tuition? Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And then I said, wow. And I realized, again, see, that's where that puncturing of the ego. Mm. I really thought I was doing much more in the way of God's work and God's holiness. But I really wasn't including the poor hmm. as mm. friends mm-hmm. yeah. and making an effort you know, the poor are not just those materially poor. There's all kinds of poverty in our world. Yeah. But to realize that's part of God's riches. And if I don't enter into that poverty, then my riches will be the riches of this world. And that's what he was, you know, yeah. puncturing my ego about and trying to get me to see the poverty of Christ on the cross hmm. and begin to empty myself in order to receive the riches of God. Mm-hmm. And those riches will come through the poor, the sick, the uneducated, prisoners, sinners, migrants, immigrants, and the dying. Hmm. 
if you search the scriptures, those are Jesus' treasures. Yeah, amen. And if you don't know them and they don't know you, where's your treasure? Yeah. yeah. And so he really, again, uh, a spiritual director has a way of puncturing there, that's why we don't go to dinner together. Yeah, yeah, right. But it sounds like you right. had some yeah. really amazing Good. priests in your life. Oh, yeah. yeah. Still that's do. Beautiful. Yeah. That's Still beautiful. do. Still yeah. do. I feel very uh, privileged by the people I have over the years shared my life with, and they've shared their life with me. Um, and because of that, uh, I can really say they've helped open the door for me to a deeper life of grace. None of us know our state before God. Huh? We hope and we pray, but uh, they have certainly helped open the door for me. So help me with this because I, I have a lot of guys will ask me, uh, you know, how do I look for a spiritual director? Who, who in my life can I ask and, and how do I go about doing that? What would be your recommendation to men who are thinking about the priesthood and need a spiritual director? My thought would be this. Over a period of time, by observing each other, we do have a sense of where someone is with the Lord in their life. We know whether a person is seeking the treasures of God or that's secondary. They're doing more priestly functions but they're not really nurturing the ordination right, meaning they were sacramentally configured to Christ. And now they seek a deeper configuration. That's by men of prayer, men of the Eucharist, you know, men of uh, forgiveness and mercy. Men of the hearts. Men of the hearts. <laughs> the Immaculate Heart and Sacred Heart. That's right, both <laughs> of them. See, that's important, and do you see that? Do you see a love for the poor? Do they make time? Do they have joy in their life, you know? Is there a sense yeah. that uh, a joy that comes from the Lord, not from, as the world gives it, that's fleeting, yeah. but that deep trust in the, uh, the joyousness that Christ's passion, death, and resurrection and the gift of the Spirit uh, has transformed this world. That's our hope. You know, not things will get better, just mathematically it should, but it will because the final word in everything is that of God. You see in a person's heart where they are, how they relate under pressure, just how they celebrate the Eucharist. You know, we all have days when I know things can get routine, but even that, you know, those are the persons who God has touched because they've allowed God to touch them. Yeah. Remember, God's trying to touch all of us. Yeah. The reason Mother Teresa, she allowed it to go so deep. Yeah. My problem is, you know, I say, I think that's enough right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want any deep massage today, Lord, you know. Yeah. Uh, but you know that when you see someone and by the way in which they speak, even how they care for others, um, those are the persons you begin to say, I think that might be someone who can help me 
to see what God is doing in my life yeah. and where I'm missing out. Yeah. You're convicting me. You're making me want to be a better priest, <laughs> looking at Amen. all my sins. And that's a good thing. You know, I, I remember you in, in the seminary of teaching Trinity, which was an amazing class. I remember um, a lot of it. Um, but I, I, not until this conversation, I forgot the wisdom that you do have, and that's just not an empty compliment. Um, mm. There's some, there's something there, and um, I hope guys who are listening to this right now, uh, who are looking for a spiritual director, uh, have that insight now of yeah. who to look for and who to ask. And it doesn't necessarily even have to be a priest. No, just someone that mm-hmm. you can really trust and who can right. be open and honest with you, uh, and to tell you like, you know this is a good this is a good thing or this is a bad thing and yeah my first uh, year after ordination uh, I fell into the trap of not having a spiritual director I had left the seminary and of course everything is provided for us and it's a great experience and you know the uh, camaraderie and all and now we finally get to exercise the ministry of the priesthood but I, I fell into the trap of not doing what I should do, of getting a spiritual director. Well, this uh, same spiritual director that I had later, I ran into at a meeting here in, in one of the parlors downstairs. Yeah. And we were at, I think it was maybe um, a Jubilee celebration. Mm-hmm. And so he came over to me uh, down in the, I think it was the Gallagher parlor. And he says to me, how are you doing, John, since ordination? And I said, I said, well, a lot better than I ever thought. And he said, well, tell me. <laughs> and I said, well, I, I really love the Eucharist. I said, I, I'm learning how to preach better. I said, uh, there's a young married couples uh, group that I've gotten started. Uh, we're trying to get a youth program together, and I'm been amazed at the young people um, we get a, an interest and they come together for on Sunday nights and and all and I said I I really am amazed at the the things that I'm doing then he says to me well how long do you think that will last <laughs> now being a foolish man you always have to say something you shouldn't <laughs> And uh, I said to him, well, I presume that'll go on for a long time. And he says to me, uh, do you have a spiritual director? And I said, well, no, I, I don't really need one right now. And then he said to me, I think you need one more now than ever. Hmm. Huh. And I had to say something really stupid. <laughs> I said, well, my ministry is my prayer. Ah. Now, because we're on the air, I will not repeat for you the excited expletive <laughs> that Father used. Yeah. It's one that's been used many times, and I'm sure you would have no problem thinking of what it is. And I said to him, you know, Father, if anybody else had said that to me other than you, I would just blow this off. I said, but, you know, I will think about it. And he said, I hope you do, because you need to. So I went home, and you know how when 
um, your ego has been punctured, huh? Mm -hmm. Blasted out of the sky, actually. And I'm thinking, who is he to talk to me like this? Sure. I'm a priest now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he may have been my professor, but so what? You know, we're both priests now. It's kind of like the Keebler Ross stages of grief. Mm. And then I was bargaining. Well, maybe if I wait a month or so. And then you go into denial saying, well, I don't need it. I'm really very successful as a priest. And who is he to rain on my parade? And then grace breaks through. So I called him on the phone. And I said to him, can you take another direct tea? <laughs> and I remember something like, yeah, show up Thursday, yeah. 1 o'clock, and be on time. <laughs> That's amazing. Isn't that That's a great beautiful. grace? You, you have had yeah, some great. amazing priests in your life. You know, that, that is wonderful. And, yeah, I can see how it affected your ministry. So just kind of going back to, you know, your... Well, let's steer the direction a little bit because I think the Holy Spirit's working here with this whole spiritual direction thing. I mean, like, what did, how did the priest help you in spiritual direction, especially staying on task, either when you were a seminarian about becoming a priest or once now you are a priest and how uh, he directed you to do Christ's ministry and not your own ministry. And then especially as a bishop, because I would assume you still have a spiritual director as well. And, and how did that look? in the midst of all of these spiritual directions? Hmm. Well, I, I think honestly what uh, a good spiritual director at any stage of our life is really helping us to be obedient to the Word of God, mm -hmm. to be obedient to the triune God, to be obedient to a life of surrender because uh, obedience really flows from the mystery of the relationship of the Father and the Son. Mm. And that the Son, you know, willingly did the will of the Father. He emptied himself and took on the form of a slave. You know, the beautiful hymn in yeah. Philippians. Yeah. And that a good spiritual director, over a period of time, at least I can say in my life, and I think in anyone they direct, is to help bring about that obedience, mm -hmm. that docility. Because when you're seeking that kind of kenosis, that emptying of the self, you're going to be led to a deeper prayer life. Because you can't do it. It's not a self-help program. Yeah. It's God working in you. And, and working in you with such a love that you, gr you gradually surrender because if Jesus did this to redeem the world and redeem me, then this is the pattern for my life. It brought Jesus a joy that the world, he even said, this is the joy I want to give you, mm -hmm. you know? But in order to do that, you have to be obedient as Jesus was to the Father. So in the seminary, it was the obedience to a prayer life, to you know, regular sacrament of penance, but the obedience of the studies, of living together, of fraternal care for one another, and to deepen the, the love for the priesthood. You know, to see the priests in my life, whether here or in the parish, but that 
That was the priesthood to which Jesus Christ was calling me. And can I be sacramentally configured to it? Not just as to what a priest does, but a life. Mm -hmm. And it was preparing for that life. And then after ordination, it was to continue with spiritual direction, to not let that dry up and get brittle or cynical. You know, I'm sure the priests of, of Winona, Rochester, who I had the privilege to serve, I'm sure some of them didn't like me or had trouble with my personality or whatever. But that, you know, how do I help them and how a spiritual director particularly? So that doesn't define that. Yeah. Mm. Right. Because then we grow brittle. We yeah. start to become dried out. How do you keep that grace alive in you of, you know, I really want to get up and be a priest this morning. Mm-hmm. And I, I am ready to go over to the school or to the religious ed program. You know, I'm, I'm ready for the parish council meeting. You know, these are folks that have worked all day long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can right. take a nap. <laughs> right. They can't. Yeah. And they come. Now, what do I do? How do I show them how I appreciate that they're engaged here in the ministry on the pastoral care of all these people? And I'm here to receive from them as well as to share with them. Well, one of the ways I found, and my spiritual director uh, would challenge me, was every meeting began with a holy hour. Every meeting. Mm -hmm. Wow. Because... If not, we come with an agenda, and we never ask, is this Jesus' agenda? Did the Holy Spirit kind of burn this into my heart? Like, where did it come from? Rather than, okay, we got 10 minutes, we're going to discuss the roofs and boilers here. Like, we have to be in Jesus' presence. And how important, you know, that, that is in that middle part of our lives. Uh, and as priests, and as we grow older in the priesthood, to keep that alive. And a spiritual director helps, I found. Whether I was 25 and wasn't sure where the preface prayers are, which one they go with, to being 51, and now at the time of my life where I don't have to do administration, but how do I still give of myself? Where's my obedience? Yeah. And one that's joyful. Mm-hmm. That's and, the key. And I, and I don't look like I'm in a forced march. Yeah. You know? But so many people yeah. today hear the word obedience or obey, and that's the big four-letter word these days. Like, don't take away my freedom. And when we're obedient to the Lord for our lives, he's not taking away anything. He's giving us more than we can possibly ever imagine. See, the more obedient, the freer we are. Yeah. I've often thought, you know, when I pray the scriptures, maybe you feel the same way, that when Jesus encounters uh, people uh, along the road or when they, uh, he will sometimes even say, what is it you want me to do for you? Yeah. Mm. I love that question. Yeah. What is it you want me to do for you? But that... He's really asking them, do you want to be free? Mm -hmm. 
Because if you want to be free, I'll make you free. But you got to come with me. And you got to empty yourself. Mm -hmm. But I'll make you free with a freedom that will bring a joy that no one can take from you. I think, honestly, that's how the church has always grown through martyrdom and holiness, by those free enough to let Jesus work so hard and so deep in them that they're able to be obedient, even unto death. As it says, death on the cross, the Philippians. It's amazing. Yeah. Makes me want to be martyred. (laughs) <laughs> but not today, Lord. Not today. <laughs> wow, that's beautiful. Well, any last words you want to give to like maybe a, a young man who's listening right now and just, you know, sort of maybe, you know, I don't know what to do. I think I might. I, I think I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe I want a family. What would be a, a word of encouragement for them right now? My encouragement would be, you know, if you find that you are uh, going to Mass and that when you're at Mass, there is a relationship that's developing with the Lord. Even at times when you maybe question how you're present here, Lord, but when you're at Mass or you slip into the chapel where you have holy hours, or you think about priesthood when you're out with your friends, If any of those things, because the Lord is trying to break into your heart, those are, that's not accidental. That's not a pamphlet. That's not a video you saw. Right. That's the power of grace. The triune God is communicating with you and offering to you, touching you with great love. If you begin that conversation with God, as in my case, I needed to go to the seminary to find out. Hmm. Contact Father Craig. Please do. Find out. If this isn't for you, you'll find out. Right. Yep. Others will help you. And by that, I don't mean it'll be for you a failure. No. Not at all. In fact, if anything, it will strengthen you. Because now you do know what God is calling you to. And if it's to marriage or to the single life, wow, I don't have to wonder anymore. Right. And the Lord is offering me this grace of discipleship and conversion. So I would just say to any young man, or if a young woman is contemplating a consecrated life, my advice I've always said is just go and find out. Yeah. You know, come and see. Believe me, the triune God will never take your freedom away. Will give you more freedom. Mm -hmm. And to be the real self that not only the triune God loves and sees with uh, the triune God in heaven, but also that really rich, wonderful person for relationships with others in this world. It will only be a blessing, but you got to try it. You know, if we sit on the plains of hesitation, we'll die there. Mm-hmm. That's right. None of us is worthy. I've been a bishop 20 years. Was I worthy of being a bishop? Absolutely not. My classmates told me that <laughs> <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> Others did too. So did my family. And I know that. 
But the point is, if you only think about your unworthiness, you are never going to see what God is going to do. And God does not bring us on this earth for mediocrity. Nope. He wants excellence in terms of your love for him and your excellence for your love for others. And if priesthood, that's the other thing, you will not be lonely. You will not be in any way um, living a life where you don't have support or a life where you don't feel that you have purpose. I mean, the Lord will not only fulfill all of that, but beyond your expectations. Yeah. Amen to Amen. that. It's awesome. Well, Bishop Quinn, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a pleasure to talk to you about all these different things, especially yes. about spiritual direction. So thank you uh, for being on the podcast. Oh, it's my privilege. Thank you for inviting me. And it's great to be back to, to see you, Father Craig, uh, after the years that uh, we were here mm -hmm. uh, when I was a, a teacher here at the seminary, and uh, to see the great work you are doing for the church uh, as the director for the vocations here, and your willingness to connect with especially young men thinking about priesthood, but women who are thinking also of consecrated life. And um, also, Father David, uh, yes. if you're going off to study sacramental, uh, perhaps the uh, pathway to the heart will lead you back here. Yes. I <laughs> you, as we all know, once you come to Sacred Heart, you never leave. <laughs> I have a path right. planned out for Father David. I won't speak it out now, right now, but uh, he knows exactly where he's going in the next 20 years. I planned it all out for him. Very good. <laughs> just we got to make sure that's Jesus' plan, right, that's Bishop? Right. <laughs> just, just surrender. That's right. <laughs> well, Bishop Quinn, would you lead us out in a prayer? I surely will. All right. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Gracious Father, you have once again graced us with not only the gift of your Son, but you have given an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to continue to anoint us, to be witnesses to all we have seen and to all we have heard. And by our lives, willing always to surrender to your plan, to be obedient with a joy that the world cannot give. Help us now to be your witnesses, to care for those in need, to see your true treasures in this world, and especially the poor, the sick, uneducated, prisoners, those who are immigrants and migrants, those who are dying. May we see in them, Lord, the true gift of life and the mystery of eternal life. Keep us joyous in your service. And if you call us to special service as deacons or priests and religious, that we come with joyful hearts. Bless Sacred Heart, Major Seminary, and all who dwell here. May this always be a place of formation in the heart of Jesus Christ and in the heart of Mary. And we ask, Lord, that your blessing come upon us in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Most Sacred Heart of Jesus, have, have mercy on us. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray, pray for, for us. us. Thank you again, Bishop. Yes, good to be with you. 
You've been listening to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me every month, Father Craig Guerra. And me, Father David Pelican. As we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com.